Hi, I'm Carla Wainwright. And I'm Little Leah. And welcome to the Radical Sex Witches podcast, where we explore the themes of sexuality, feminism, consciousness, love, healing, ritual, magic, and all things witchy and wonderful. Hello, all you divas of the divine. Welcome back to another edition of the Radical Sex Witches podcast. As always, I'm Little Leah, and joined with me is the lovely and amazing Carla Wainwright. Hi, Carla. How are you doing today? I am really good, Leah. How are you? Pretty fantastic. I mean, any day that you and I get to record a podcast together is amazing, full of laughs, full of knowledge. Can we ask for more than that? I don't know. It is pretty good, I have to say. You know, and speaking of knowledge and gaining knowledge, we're going to start a little segment that we're going to do from time to time um, called I Am Today's I'm today years old. And if you're out there, if you've watched TikTok, if you've seen videos on Instagram, possibly Facebook, it's usually when you find a life hack or some sort of fact that you didn't know about and you're like in your current age. So like, I am today years old that I found out that such and such was, you know, X, Y, Z. So today we're going to cover the topic of I'm today years old for witches. Excellent. I'm excited. I'm excited because you really went and did a deep dive on some of these witch facts. Like, why don't don't we stop fucking around and get to the first one? We don't know where the word witch came from. Is this this real? I mean, off the top of my head, I, I don't know. Do you? Well, apparently not. So, you know, lots of people are into etymology, the the history of words, and it's actually which is of an indeterminate origin. So they don't really know. So there's a few thoughts about where the word can come from. So the most obvious is the old English word Wicca, which means female sorceress. And of course, that relates to the word Wicca, uh, the modern pagan, uh, modern day pagan religion. But there's also other um, words that scholars think that the word witch came from. So wigla, which means divination. But there's a really funny one here. It's a Proto-Germanic word, wickjazz. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds means- like jazz fingers, like spirit fingers. <laughs> I know. And it means I'll shut up. (laughs) It means necromancer or one who wakes the dead. Okay, so not quite as joyous as the jazz fingers that I was just going into. (laughs) Well, maybe that's how they did it. (laughs) (laughs) Look friendly, but now you're fucking dead. (laughs) Or they just stand over the grave and do, you know, like a Broadway number. (laughs) And the, the dead just rise up. I don't know this. When we talk about the etymology of words, it takes me back to a previous episode when we were talking about grope cunt lane and, you know, like, so now I'm going to be adding wick jazz into my lexicon. (laughs) Next fact. I was today years old when I found out people wrote entire books dedicated to witch hunting. What the fuck? Yep. Well, and not surprising, uh, of course, during, the the time of the great witch hunts in the you know basically from the 14th century to about the 16th century so um in i think it was 1482 this book uh that was written by two clergymen surprise 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 
Yeah, called Malleus Malef uh, Maleficarum, which was considered a legal document, a theological document and a legal document, which became basically the de facto handbook on how to deal with witches and witchcraft. And as a result of that book, it this is really what stirred the complete insane hysteria that led to um, all of the witch hunting in Europe that lasted, you know, into the 18th century. So, um, yeah, it's kind of bonkers. And so they got this idea, um, they used Exodus uh, 22.18 as the basis for this book, which said, you shall not permit a sorceress to live. And so they created this book to detect and persecute any witches. Can you still find this book? Like, are there copies of it or passages of it that can be read. It would be really interesting to see what some of this advice was. How to know. Oh, I, oh, I'm sure you can. Yeah. Yeah, That's I'm cool. sure you can. And so um, that was like the main book. Uh, there was also another book uh, that James the first of England had uh, um, at his time of from 1597 called demonology, which was a treatise that threw his support behind the importance of uh, practice of uh, witch hunting. So super disappointing because James the first was the, um, I don't know if he was the nephew, but anyway, he, he was related somehow to Queen Elizabeth the first, who was pretty awesome. And yeah. the fact that uh, he was the one who succeeded her, he was in Scotland, but then he ended up becoming the, the King of Scotland and of England and super disappointing that, you know, Elizabeth the first was quite a feminist in her own right um, to have her successor be um, such a misogynist prick. Um, <laughs> no, personally, it's a big disappointment for me. <laughs> that is, that's a pretty big disappointment. Um, moving right along, I was today years old when I found out a pope once confirmed that witches exist. This to me doesn't seem too far fetched, but I guess it maybe depends on when this declaration came from. Yeah, it is not too far fetched, but um, you know, interesting nonetheless. So. The Catholic Church, of course, saw witchcraft as a threat to all of its followers. So in 1484, which is a, almost the similar time to that book that I was just mentioning, mentioning being written, Pope Innocent VIII, so let's just say his name again, Pope Innocent, <laughs> um, he issued a papal bill, bull called Summis Desertantis Affectibus, so desiring supreme ardor, and that recognized that witches existed, and basically saying that persons of both sexes, heedless of their own salvation and forsaking the Catholic faith, give themselves over to devils, male and female. And so, um, yeah, through that decree, that actually um, gave the church authority to persecute anyone that they felt uh, matched the description of a witch, which was a pretty broad uh, all-encompassing description of anybody that they just felt were, was not in line with the dictates of the church. Can we just stop here for a second? I'd like to point out that the names of these fucking books sound like witchcraft themselves, like you're opening up the goddamn ne Necronomicon and calling forth the army of the dead. Demonology, summus deris, I can't even fucking say it, affectibus. <laughs> like, okay, we're going to Hogwarts for Christ's sake. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, it is Latin, and I guess uh, spells do sound very Latin-ish. True, true. And moving right along, um, I was today years old when I found out that laws about witchcraft were in place in the mid-20th century. 
I know that's bonkers, isn't it? So there was a, an act um, in England called the Witchcraft Act of 1735. And that act actually was put in place to um, make it illegal for anybody to accuse someone of witchcraft. So they were actually trying to kind of get rid of this like witch hysteria and um, being able to, you know, what we remember from, um, oh goodness, what was that called? The Salem witch trials where everybody was accusing each other of, right. of witchcraft. So, so this particular act was kind of to prevent <clears throat> that hysteria from going on and people, you know, accusing each other left, right, and center. So this, this act um, was still on the books until 1951 and which, that's crazy. Yep. Less than hundred years ago. And it was replaced with the fraudulent mediums act. Interesting. <laughs> I am a real medium, not a fraudulent one. Shall you call me a fraudulent one? I shall call the authorities on you. <laughs> yeah. I wonder actually if um, you called the police <laughs> in England today. <laughs> My neighbor called me a witch and we all know that's illegal to say so. <laughs> yeah, it probably wouldn't get any traction. <laughs> Fucking laugh at you and being like, call me back when I'm meth addicts robbing your house and burning it down. Well, then we might show up then. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, to me, the next one is very interesting for sure. I was today years old when I learned in the US, no witches were ever burned at the stake. Now, Carlo, when we think of the Salem witch trials, we obviously think that everybody got fucking burned, but that's not the case, is it? No, apparently it is not. Um, witches were definitely executed, but they were uh, they were hung, hanged, hung, hanged, yeah, hung, hanged uh, in the U.S. Um, so in the Salem witch trials, no one was burned to death. So um, they were all hanged. So in fact, nobody guilty of witchcraft was ever executed by burning in the American colonies. Um, because and burning at the stake actually has its own technical term. It's called immolation mm. um it actually wasn't permissible by english law to do so that said many many people were burnt at the stake um in uh, in europe and there seems to be conflicting numbers about the number of women who were killed you sometimes see numbers as you know high as 80,000 or more and then there's some scholars who think that it was you know significantly less under 1000 mm. Not, I think that regardless, even if those weren't all burnt at the stake, I think that many countless women and men too, because lots of men, not as many as women, but there were many men who were accused of witchcraft who were also sentenced to death. That there were, um, especially in the hysteria of um, the Spanish Inquisition and all of these, witch, these crazy witchcraft trials that many, many, many people were uh, killed. That must have been so terrifying to, you know, literally for them to make a law to say it's now illegal for you to call your neighbor a witch. Like shit must have been out of fucking control. And there must have been like how many on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis for that to happen. That's such a good observation, Leah, because really, yeah, why would they actually create a witchcraft act to prevent people from accusing others as witches if it wasn't completely something that was out of control? Yeah, good point. Yeah, that's freaky just to live in that terror of just like, I picked some herbs to get rid of a headache, which, and now you're dead. Like it literally could have been as, something as small as and insignificant as that, that took a, took a woman's life. Or it could just be that 
your neighbor was jealous of you. Exactly. You know, didn't like the way you thought you were too pretty, thought you were too ugly, thought you were, you know, could bake better bread than she could, thought whatever. So I don't like you. So I'm going to accuse you of being a witch. Witch. Um, And this one, um, I don't know. I kind of think I believe this is for like, I didn't, I have not put a lot of thought into this, but I was today years old that witches probably didn't wear pointy hats. But where does that come from then? for the regular imagery or like the cartoon imagery of witches with pointy hats. Mm-hmm. So um, what I found out is that the association of the pointy hat with witches is murky uh, at best. But one of the reasons that it's thought that there might be some um, crossover here is there um, in 1215, another Pope Innocent, this one, Pope Innocent III, <laughs> these Pope Innocents, <laughs> Fuck off to fuckity offville with all their decrees. I know. So they, uh, he actually decreed that Jews were required to wear a peaked cap. Oh my God. And um, of course the past. Yes. 2000 years plus, well, more than that, uh, there's been rampant anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism is really often considered one of the original forms of hate. It has been around for millennia. Um, So, rampant anti-Semitism really caused anybody to associate like heretics, pagans, anybody, um, you know, who's wearing that sort of, that was called a Juden hat, a Jewish hat. And so um, I think that there was like this co-option, co-opting of uh, the hat and its meaning and that anybody wearing that hat would be of course nefarious or demonic in some kind of way. And in the 1700s, the image was taken by artists and so that's kind of the earliest that we see in artistic renditions of, um, you know, the old hag wearing the witch hat, flying on the broomsticks kind of thing. And you bring up flying on broomsticks. I was today years old when I found out witches really did fly on broomsticks in a way. Yes in or no? Were we on drugs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember I learned this actually in grade eight history a long time ago, which I thought was pretty cool. I remember when I learned it, I thought it was really interesting. So, um, you know, many, many people who practice witchcraft uh, were healers of some kind and experimented with herbs and potions and things like that. And they might've used a plant called the mandrake plant, which has some alkaloids in it, which causes feelings of euphoria. If you take it in low doses, uh, hallucinations in larger doses, And um, apparently, you know, there would be rituals that would be performed in the nude and they would rub the herbal ointment with the mandrake on their pussies. And um, then maybe if they were on a staff of some kind where they would ride the staff and the friction of the staff and (laughs) the ointment on their pussy would cause um, floating sensations. (laughs) So that I had to laugh through you talking the entire time. Like. So they might've only been like flying in their minds and in their pussies, but it's possible that that may have happened. And there's also actually another, um, another possibility, which also comes to this, uh, this being high thing is that um, it was common, of course, for breads and foods to develop mold on them. And if people didn't Ah. have refrigeration and they'd have to eat, you know, people just just because something started to spoil didn't mean that people didn't eat it, especially no. if they didn't have 
you know, the means to access to a lot of food. And some of those molds produce uh, hallucinogenic effects. And so um, it's also thought that sometimes if people were acting strangely, that it might have been caused from eating the mold on the food. And then of course, that would, any bizarre behavior would lead someone else perhaps in this hysteria to accuse them of being a witch. Well, okay, well, here's the other side of the coin. Say Papa Joe ate some moldy bread and looked outside and thought he saw some bitches flying by on their brooms. Maybe it was him that was seeing shit. Maybe it wasn't like the women thinking, oh man, I'm flying and talking about flying. Maybe people were just tripping balls on their own. That is totally possible. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? They might all been high. (laughs) Oh, um, is there a little bit more on broomsticks possibly like symbolisms? Mm. Yeah. So the broomstick piece is interesting. So the, there was an illustration drawn in the margins of the 1451 edition a uh, French poet, Martin Le France, the Le Champion des Dames, so the defender of ladies. And oh. one's riding a stick, one's riding a broom. And then this um, uh, scholar, Dylan Thuris, says that the broom, of course, is a f- symbol of female do- domesticity. And the broom is also phallic. So riding a broom was a symbol of female sexuality and also a symbol of like femininity and dom- domesticity gone wild. And so it's possible that, that that image of like the sexual nature of the broom and the fact that it's uh, a woman kind of um, moving away from her domestic tasks and using, using that particular uh, household item for a purpose other than, you know, domesticity and subjugation and really using it as an empowerment piece. So that might be where the broom comes from um, in terms of its symbology. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Suck on that Pope innocent. (laughs) You dumb fuck. (laughs) So we know that there's witches all over the world today. Still, they didn't get all of us. Um, I was today years old when I found out there's a world record for the largest gathering of people dressed as witches. And it was in 2013. Where in the world was that? That was in Spain. And uh, there were about 2000 people dressed as witches. And uh, if you think about it, well, if you think about the Spanish Inquisition, which always leads me to thinking about the Monty Python skits, I'm afraid. (laughs) which were really good. Um, But the real Spanish Inquisition, of course, was abhorrent and just such a horrible time in history. But the fact that in Spain, um, you know, several hundred years after the Spanish Inquisition, it was safe and is safe enough for 2000 people to come and gather dressed as witches, which is a bit of a reclamation. Well, not a bit. It is a reclamation to actually stand it, you know, it, within a country that that had experienced so much death and tragedy and persecution. Even if it took us till 2013 to get yeah. there, which leads to our final point. And I was today years old when I found out that the last time someone was convicted of witchcraft was in, drum roll please, 1944. Are you shitting me? I am not. That's I fucked. Know. Super crazy. So, you know, 1944. So a woman named Jane Rebecca York, who was a medium in East London, and she ended up 
being drawn to the police's attention because of her claims that she could talk to people's relatives who died in the war. And so she was charged under the Witchcraft Act. So remember, that was uh, changed. And uh, what was it called? The Mediums, um, the Fraudulent Mediums Act. Um, but uh, the before it was charged. So sorry, she got charged before it, the name got changed, the Fraudulent Mediums oh, Act. Okay. So she was still charged under the Witchcraft Act. And uh, she was the very last person um, to be charged uh, as a witch. But what was interesting is that she, of course, wasn't burned at the stake. She got a five pound um, uh, fine and walked away. Which was probably still a lot of money back in 1944. That was probably a pretty big deal. But hey, I'd pay that instead of, you know, burning to death. That's really, that says something. And that's pretty interesting that she is in the history books of being the last, last woman ever convicted of witchcraft. So kudos to you, Jane Rebecca York. I know. I actually think that's a pretty incredible distinction. Who are you? Oh, yes. I'm the last person convicted of witchcraft in Europe. So, (laughs) or the world for that matter. (laughs) Yeah. So those were some really interesting facts in our rendition of I am today's years old. We're going to do this again in the future, but it's probably going to be about sex because we know you lovely listeners, you're all a bunch of fucking perverts, just like Carla and I. So obviously we are not going to leave this topic and I can't wait because Carla found some really fucked up stuff that I was like, we need to talk about this now. But that's like saying, I'm going to tell you a secret and I'm not going to tell you, or I've got a secret and I'm not going to tell you. And you're just going to have to wait. (laughs) It's all about the tease. All about the tease. So next time we are thinking about an interview, it's quite possible. Someone very magical. Do you want to say anything else on that, Carla, or should we just leave them hanging? Just like I've got a secret and I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) We're going to leave you hanging. We're going to have somebody fabulous. <laughs> well, as always, I'm Little Leah. And I'm Carla. And thank you so much for being here with us on the Radical Sex Witches podcast. Are you curious about how to liberate your inner witch and experience more pleasure, turn on, and a deeper connection to life? Head over to EmbracingShaktiTemple.com to learn how you can shed old limiting expectations, beliefs, and patterns, and finally let yourself be guided by your inner feminine wisdom and magic.